0: Another Way to Play, episode 59.
1: This is Jimmy Rex, the social realtor, author, and host of The Jimmy Rex Show. And if you want to learn how to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play. This is with my good friend, Hans Struzina.
0: Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9 to 5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions. Stop hitting the snooze button on your life and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is another way to play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is someone who I'm really honored to now call a friend and definitely someone I look up to tremendously. It's the social realtor, Jimmy Rex. Uh, Jimmy is, uh, as of 2019, the top selling real estate agent in all of Utah for the Keller Williams franchise, has sold the highest sale in the state of $35 million per the MLS and is doing some really amazing things, both uh, in his real estate practice, but also his social presence and his coaching and the value he brings out to his followers. As you can imagine, we definitely talk a little bit of real estate here. Don't totally tune out because we are both real estate agents. There is a lot of value for people who are not in the real estate space. Uh, Jimmy talks about how he started with a family friend in the business who really couldn't mentor him. And ultimately he. Had to find some coaching, some mentoring, and some scripts and some stuff that ultimately worked. And he talks about how someone could do that for themselves as well as his general philosophy behind his social media. He's got over 60,000 followers on Instagram, thousands over on YouTube, uh, and has a big footprint in um, teaching people how to be effective on social media, and frankly puts out a lot of really cool content. He also has his own podcast, The Jimmy Rex Show, which we get into as well. Because everybody loves a good story, we get into the story of how he sold the $35 million estate, which is the biggest sale, as I mentioned, in Utah uh, that he got to be a part of. He talks about how he made that happen and a lot of other really cool stories along the way. So this is one you are definitely going to want to listen into. Uh, but before we get there, if this or any of the other episodes provide value for you, uh, please head over into uh, iTunes, leave a written rating and review, hit subscribe so you won't miss any of them, provide me a little bit of feedback, and uh, obviously help boost the algorithm so that we can continue to grow the show. Really appreciate that. Thank you in advance. And without any further ado, let's get into it with my buddy, Jimmy Rex. Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. Really appreciate you. Dude, it's good to be here, man. It was uh, great to see you at Family Reunion, and I'm glad we could make this, this time work.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I'd had a goal for, uh, for a long time to present at Family Reunion, so it was fun to go down and finally accomplish that goal.
0: Yeah, well, congrats on that. you got a lot going on, man, but before we get into that, let's back it up. Let's build a little bit of context for the audience and talk about where your journey actually began.
1: Yeah, so I've been in real estate 15 years now, almost like to the date. So uh, I got in in the spring of 2005, and it was funny when I first got in. I joined a family friend's brokerage, and he was a great guy. He made a ton of money, but he made a lot of money flipping homes and doing mortgages, and he had all sorts of things going on. And I got kind of thrown into this mess, and he didn't really know how to train a new agent. He didn't. It was a small brokerage. He'd never had a new agent, and I went in to get help and. He didn't. He acted like it was the first time anybody had ever asked him the question. And so, for my first six months, I kicked my tires a lot. I was making a lot of random calls. I mean, at one point, I picked up the phone book and was literally calling people in the phone book. I I did it for like one hour, and I'm like, this is the stupidest. This cannot be the best way to do this. And so, I tried to call for sell by owners, but I had no idea how to you know talk to them. And so, I got a list of for sale by owners from another agent, and um, called for like an hour. And again, I didn't know how to, you know, I was like, Hey, I can help you guys get an appraisal on your house if you need. Like just, I had no clue what I was doing. Everybody was rude and hung up on me. And, um, I was about to get out of real estate. I sold like three homes that first six months just wasn't really working. And then I found a flyer to a a real estate seminar with Mike Ferry and Mm -hmm. those in the business obviously know who Mike is. And, And I went to the seminar. It was funny. Like day one, I went, And they did this, you know, they taught us all the things I wanted to know how to do a listing presentation, how to do a buyer presentation, how to call for sell by owners, how to lead follow up all these different things. And, and uh, we went home and we had a homework assignment to call some for sale by owners using this new script. And I did it. And it worked really well. And then day two, I go back to the same seminar. And again, they give us a homework and it worked really well. All of a sudden, I feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm kind of enjoying it. And so um, day three, I signed up for the coaching. It was a twelve-month commitment, thousand dollars a month. And at the time, I mean, I'm 23 years old. That might as well have been, you know, that was more than my mortgage on a condo I'd bought that I was living in. So I was, it was an insane amount of money. And uh, I just remember, like, I had to do it. And by the end of that first year, I'd sold 60 homes. Like when I finally learned wow. what to say and how to say it, I just did it all day. I was working 70, 80 hour weeks. Um, I was just very committed to making my calls i was very committed to making this work i had come out of a previous business where i got stuck with about 120 grand of debt um mm-hmm. and at 23 years old that felt insurmountable at the time and and so what was my gift of getting into real estate was that debt because i had to work so hard because i knew i needed to work it off and then you know year two just following the system i mean i was a hundred percent following that system my coach was me Bill Pipes is the one that kind of got me started in that. And, uh, and I just consistency, he always spoke about consistency being the key to everything. And so I just every single day I made my office build me a, a separate closet. It was literally like a five by five closet, um, no chair, no, no phone, cell phones allowed. And there was just one frigging pounded phone. And then on the walls, I had all the things that would inspire me. And every morning from seven to eight, I would role play. And then from eight to 11, every single day for that first five years, I would jump on the phone and make my calls. And I built my whole business doing that. Um, And, you know, in my second full year as a real estate agent, I was one of the two finalists for the salesperson of the year on the Salt Lake Board of Realtors, sold 98 homes. Had I... Knowing I was that close to 100, I'd have bought a couple myself just to get there. But, <laughs> you know, and then the crash happened spent the next two and a half years realizing I wasn't that special. I thought I was God's gift to real estate for about an 18-month period there. But And then, you know, it was hard. I mean, every single day. Were you in the downturn during that time? Were you an agent? I,
0: I was not an agent at that time, no. Okay. So, I mean, the
1: hard part was every single client you met with, every buyer I met with, I had to tell them, look, your home is probably going to go down 15 or 20%. So, are you planning on staying here four or five years? Because it'll come back. But if not, you're going to be in a bad situation and every seller, you know, nobody put money down on homes back then because you didn't have to. And so everybody had these 80, 20 loans. They had these adjustable rate loans that were coming due and it just became this total shit show. And every single day you would be sitting with people and just depressed and all the agents were depressed. You know, I think my board went from like 2,700 to like 800 agents or something like that. Wow. Um, And before you know it, you know, I was just like, it just wasn't fun. It was really hard to be an agent. And so I kind of burned out. And then in 2000, at the end of 2009, first of 2010, me and Bill sat down and looked at my whole business. And I said, dude, I think I'm done with this. I'm going to go do something else. And I said, I just don't like it. And he said, well, how do you want it to look? What would your perfect business look like? And it's such a beautiful question. It's what I always ask people now is like, if everything were to go right in your life for the next five years, what would your life look like? And most people don't even know the answer to that question. And so there's no way to reverse engineer it. They don't even know what they're working for. So when Bill asked me that question, I stopped and I thought for a second and said, Well, I want my life to look like this. I literally said, I want to be doing huge client parties. I want to be hanging out with my friends. I want to be going on vacations, traveling the world. I want to be well known in my community. I want to be friends with all the top business people and athletes and everybody in town. And that's how I want to build my business. He said, Great, let's do it and sell real estate doing that. And so we set up this model that basically went from calling for sell by owners every day to just working with these people that I knew and then figuring out who I wanted to get to know and finding a pathway to meet those people and i developed this system um and you know and in 2013 is when it made its first big change we sold 187 homes that year with three agents on my team um oh. for the next few years we kind of hovered in that 140 to 180 range and then last year um using a model where we involved a lot of investors and things like that um my team with four agents we sold 324 homes in 2019 and um one of those was A $32 million sell, the largest sell in the history of Utah through the MLS. So um, it works, you know, it's a fun plan. A lot of it is based around social media, charity events, vacations strategically done with friends and clients, um, and then client parties and, and stuff like that. So.
0: Dude, first of all, congratulations on all of your success. I'm a huge fan and I love the way that you're going about it because when I got in the business, similar to you, I was cold calling and I was doing, I was going after distressed and short sales and all of that stuff. And so I definitely had, I was, I was not necessarily doing as many cold calls as you, but I was two hours a day minimum. I was like banging out calls on the phone so I can totally relate to that. But then having
1: yeah, that's tough work doing those those you know those uh, those people that are in foreclosure and short and all that and suppressed people and I did it for about a week. I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing this. This is worse than for sale.
0: Exactly, and I and it's interesting that you talked about the way that you transitioned uh, your your business with your coach. You looked at what you really wanted to do, and then went out and did that. Because I think most people talk about real estate, especially when you get started as a numbers game and more specifically as, you know, you just, I mean, just, I guess not even more specifically, just it's a numbers game and you just got to like go knock on doors. You got a cold call. You got to meet a bunch of people at open houses, do the typical stuff, uh, the typical activities to get the results. And that certainly gets you some level of result, but you were talking about, getting into you know having a social aspect to your business having friends having people in your life yeah i mean we all got in this business
1: we all got in this business to have a certain quality of life a certain way of life right i wanted to be able to go do all the things i want to do and not be i was i mean when i was building my business through for sell by owners like i think the longest trip i went on for seven years was like three days you know what i mean i I was tied to my office i was tied to my phone when i was dating a a woman she was terrible terribly upset with me all the time because I always had to feel like I had to do all these calls. And so finally I said, look, either I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do it the right way or I'm going to do it my way. And there's agents that make more money than me. There's agents that do more sales than me, but I don't think anybody has a better quality of life than me. You know, the the coolest part about 2019 was all three agents on my team um, coached their sons in baseball and their daughters in like soccer and softball and stuff like that all three of them were able to take several vacations. And I myself spent 127 days on vacation last year. I went to over 25 countries. And um, I just, we have a quality of life that really takes precedence over everything else. And I don't apologize for it. You know, I, I know how hard I work to build that. And so I take a lot of pride in it. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it's—it. I, I think if you try to start there, you're gonna end up getting in a lot of trouble. But, by building it over those years, and you know I, when I left in two thousand and twelve, I left to Arizona State to get my master 's degree in uh, in real estate development, and when I went down there, it forced me to set up my business to run without me being in the office every day. I had to because mm-hmm. I was gone for a year, and so I really put in that effort and learned what it looked like to uh, Sell real estate my way, to sell real estate not even being there physically. And so it's worked out really well. And um, yeah, it's made it really fun, man. I I wouldn't trade my business for any other agent I've ever met.
0: And that's really, I think, such a critical thing because, especially in any sales arena, you can always go after another sale. You can always do another deal, another acquisition, another this or that. And you have decided, I'm sure you have growth you know, goals related to your business, but you've also decided like there has to be a well-rounded uh, experience for me here as the owner and as the the main person. When when you first, like not first in the business, but when you first started to make this shift away from strictly cold calling into, you know, the the client events and the traveling and some of the stuff that you were going for, like what strategically did you do then that you think really set you up well to be in the position you're, you're in now?
1: Yeah, so I think that first and foremost, um, I learned to take listings over the phone. That was something that I thought was impossible. You're not supposed to be able to do that, you can't do that. Like the mindset that I had, that I think most agents have is like, you have to go. And I just learned, I said, I'm not going to be there. I have to learn to do this. So I started trying to do it and I got really good at taking listings over the phone. And now to this day, I, 90 to 95% of my listings, I just take over the phone. I have somebody on my team that 's well trained and that 's well versed that is able to um, no matter what like I'm, I can send him out to take the photos and get the paperwork every time do all that, and I could do that remotely, so like just last week, I was in Costa Rica and took two listings. you know um, I did that because i don 't have to be there I could be somewhere else my client doesn 't even need to know where i 'm at um, and they don 't care either because I just I set it up that way. I learned the Type of questions I was going to get. I learned the objections I get, how to handle those, how to make my, what appears to be a disadvantage, me not being there in person. I learned how to turn that to be an advantage so my clients see it as a benefit. And so that's the first thing that I did. Um, The second thing I did is I found really good buyer's agents. When I give somebody, um, you know, an agent in my marketplace, one of my big competitors, he said to me once, he goes, You know what your genius is? He goes, You've simply convinced all your clients they don't have to work directly with you. I said, No, they work directly with me. But I have a team that's much better. My clients get a much better experience because I can send out my buyer's agents and they're much more dialed in at the market. They're much more dialed in how to show homes, what to look for. They're more patient than me. I'm like a total driver. I'm like ready to go at all times, you know. And so they get a much more hands-on experience with them. And I'm still in control. I'm still negotiating. I'm still the person making sure that, you know, I have the relationships with all these agents. So I'm able to find us the best deal and make sure they take our offer and all those things. And so together we really give them an agent that's essentially the equivalent of an agent that has all the skills as opposed to one that's either has the time or is good at negotiating, but it's very rarely does somebody have all that. But because of the way I've set it up and then I have a paperwork guy that is amazing. I haven't screwed up a contract in 10 years. Like this guy is dialed in on everything, make sure that everything's taken care of. I don't have to worry about it. I forward him an email and it's done. You know, one of the agents I coach, I was talking to him 1400 emails in his inbox. I'm like, dude, you can't do that. The energy that you're losing by having all this. He goes, Well, I just like, what if it's important? And I'm like, Give me an example. And it's like, Well, like, you know, for example, if they have an inspection, I need to make sure it's getting done. I said, Well, don't you have someone on your team that schedules that for you? And he said, Yeah. And I said, Then send it to that person and trust that it's getting done. Like, if you've trained them and they're competent at their job, you don't need to worry about it. It's getting done. If they're not getting it done, you just got the wrong person. So go hire somebody Mm -hmm. better because you can't be worrying about all that stuff. And that's kind of the key. If you want to do volume, if you want to have the lifestyle, you can't be tied into all these little minute details. Um, There's just not enough time in a day. And really, if you're a high producing agent, you shouldn't be the person scheduling the home warranty appointment or, or scheduling the inspection or working with the title company, all these different things. And agents just have the hardest time letting that stuff go. But if somebody else can do it as well as you, then you should delegate it and let that person do their job.
0: I really like that. And I, I think this alludes to something that I've been thinking about in my business personally, uh, which is people in the end of the day, would they rather have your time or would they rather have the result that your time provides? And that's something that I think is really challenging, especially in our business, because it's such an interactive people-based business for people to sort of wrap their head around. Like there are certainly the clients that just need the face time and maybe those aren't the right clients for you. But there's a lot who care a lot more about the result of the best sale or, you know, getting into contracting, getting the best deal on the house or whatever, as opposed to how many hours you poured into it, whether it's one or a hundred. And what you're suggesting is, find your sphere of genius or whatever you're really good at and then find whatever the other things are and try and find someone who's at least as good at you as those things and outsource them so you can double down on what you're really good at yeah
1: i mean if you want to go for volume if you don't then it doesn't really matter but if you're trying to build like a lifestyle and a business that's going to run without you being i mean the problem with real estate agents is we don't treat it like a real business and every other business The CEO does not do the hands-on work. Otherwise, it's not a business. You know, the E-Myth explains it really well. There's there's somebody that's like a sole practitioner. Like, why would you ever become an entrepreneur just to get paid less and work more hours? Like, if you're not setting it up to be a real business, and real businesses pay employees. They have to pay competent people to do their job. And you kind of got to have enough faith in yourself and your company that you're going to be able to have the leads. You're going to be able to have the business. And then you bring those people in to take care of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really well said thinking back to that very first moment when you, when you joined that small family friends brokerage um, and you were cold calling out of the book, out of the, you know, for sale by owner list, all of that stuff, you know, and then you, and then you joined the Tom Ferry coaching program. What in retrospect might you have done differently? Says someone starting out fresh out of the gate um, that you now have the, the, ability to look back on and say i wish i would have done this or maybe maybe nothing maybe you're glad you went through that whole path but i'm curious if you have anything like that
1: yeah i think it's important to honor the path i mean i wouldn't uh, the, the problem is is we it's easy to say i'd go back and do this differently but you didn't have the information to do it differently right. then so i wouldn't have right i would have done it the exact same way but that being said um i wish that i had joined a brokerage that had more training in house um that mm-hmm. 6 months was a mess to be honest Uh, that would, I would definitely have done that differently. I wish that I had uh, taken advantage earlier of social media. I didn't really start doing social media heavy till about two and a half years ago. And now over 40% of my leads come from social media. I have a, a subdivision I'm selling um, in my market, and uh, yesterday I made a, I took a couple of pictures with the builders, a video of it, and put it on my Instagram. I had sixteen leads come from that one day of just posting about that sixteen wow. people interested in the subdivision. Um, you know how many calls I would have had to have made four or five years ago to get sixteen interested people um, and so that's sixteen people that are either going to buy something in there or or they, uh, at least I know they're, they're looking now and I can sell them something else. And so I would have really taken advantage. It's a lot harder today even than it used to be to get traction. I mean, Facebook and Instagram limit 95% of what you post to your audience. So yep. back, back in the day, they showed everything. And um, even a year ago, Instagram showed a lot more, you know, and you kind of tease the algorithms and do different things. But I would have taken a little more advantage of that I didn't know that it was going to be this important. So I didn't, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I really like the idea of like, I never beat myself up for what I should have done because I didn't have the information. If I did, I would have made a better choice. And so Tony Robbins talks about that all the time is, you know, you have to honor where you were at that time. You didn't make a bad decision. You didn't make the wrong decision. You simply just didn't have enough information.
0: You just hit on something that I think is, is interesting of like, You didn't have all the information, or you didn't know, or you didn't have the experience, or whatever. I mean, social media is an obvious one. I think all of us would say, "Yeah, we should have all started, you know, YouTube blogging or vlogging back in 2005 or something." Right? In retrospect, we'd all be, you know, quit our jobs and be YouTube. The best time was back then. The second best time (laughs) is today. You know what I mean? Like right. But, and, and you're the social realtor as you've, as you've given yourself the title and you have a lot of content on social about you, your, pra- your real estate practice, but also your coaching programs. Like when you talk to somebody about that specifically, like, Hey, you need to get on social media. You know, Gary Vanderchuck talks about putting content out all the time, but someone hasn't even ever barely posted a Facebook post about themselves let alone about the real estate practice you know how do you go about telling someone to get started who's never even done it
1: yeah i mean that's an hour-long master class that i teach um but to sum it up and give you a couple ideas like there's somebody that's interested where to start by the way jimmyrexmastermind.com that's where people sign up for that if you're interested um that's where I teach a lot of this stuff. I have an hour-long masterclass coming out in a couple weeks where I teach three of the main things you can do for social media. But So one, to start out, if you don't have any background in it, you're not really sure how to get started, number one is make sure it's value-driven. Whatever you do, you want to attract people to you by providing value. That's the key to any post. Ask yourself the question, am I providing value with this? Is this attractive? Because with social media, you don't want to push people. You want to attract them to you. You want to pull them to you. So by doing that, you have to let people know you, right? Like people do business with people they like, know, and trust. So social media is the number one tool to get people to trust you. Trust that you know what you're doing. You can show that you're the expert by doing deals and breaking down investment properties, by showing neighborhoods, But be live, do these things. And then you attract people to you. And by doing that, again, you're going to grow. But the most important thing I tell people is it's got to be consistent. Like you've got to do it for a long time. Most people, like I've done, I got a guy I'm training right now. He's a great agent did a million four hundred thousand in commission last year. Wow. Um, and he wants to do the social media thing because he wants to travel more. He wants to have a more hands off business and everything else. And you know, I got him doing it for a month and he's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not getting the traction that I wanted. And I started laughing. I said, you have been doing it for a month. We already talked about this. It's a six month minimum to get this thing going. And then as I started breaking it down, I showed him, I said, well, where'd this one come from? We didn't talk about this. Why'd you do this? He's like, oh, I just wanted to do it. And I'm like, no, like there's, you learn how to do it, what to post and then be consistent every single day posting it. And it turns out he's actually gotten like three leads already in a month by using it, you know, two condos that are each going to sell. And so like at the end of the day, the key to everything, whether you're doing social media, whether it's farming, whether it's open houses or cold calling, you've got to be consistent. And social media is no different. People think they post 20 times, you know, 20 days in a row and all of a sudden nothing's happening. They're like, oh, I'm just done with it. Well, people don't even know you yet. Like you get yep. them to know, like, and trust you. And that's when you start to make things happen. So if that consistency is a key thing you can do.
0: Man, that's really well said. And I, I think the consistency thing is one of the hardest on social media, especially when it feels like, whether you're on a podcast or you're posting on Instagram, you feel you're yelling into a, a 50 gallon drum half the time because nobody's listening. Oh,
1: I have so <laughs> many buddies that have started a podcast and they drop off after 15 or 20 episodes because it's like, you don't make, nobody is, very few people are making money on their podcast itself. Right. Um, yep. If you're not using it as a tool to get business, do other things, you're probably not making any money. So either you just love it or people quit doing it. And I have so many friends that have started podcasts and they just quit them and they're like, Post once every three months. Well, you're not getting any traction that way. Like, since I started my podcast, I have not missed. I've at most gone seven days without posting another podcast because that consistency is what grows an audience. That consistency is what people end up, you know, uh, uh, falling in love with and, and what they get attracted to and why they come back. So, yeah, I mean, the podcasters that last are the ones that simply have that ability to consistently put out uh, podcast after podcast. The same thing with, with social media or anything else.
0: Really well said. Yeah. I mean, I tell this, I've told this story, I think once or twice, but I had a, um, a buddy of mine who I knew through my rowing days, uh, reach out to me after I'd put out some 40 something episodes and he was following me on LinkedIn. We overlapped a little bit in the rowing world. We didn't know each other super well. We would never have connected, uh, were it not for this, but basically I was putting out these podcasts twice a week for 40 something episodes. He shot me a message on LinkedIn or an email, I can't remember, and just said, hey, love what you're putting out. Here's what I'm doing now. I think we'd have some synergy. You know, I'd love to hop on a call and just rekindle, basically. And long story short is I did that, but then he made an intro to a CPA who's got a huge footprint in the Bay Area, who is then, um, I got on a call with that guy, also a rowing connection, and, he, and now I'm his go-to referral source in the East Bay for any of his clients who need to buy or sell. Like yeah, there's no way I could have ROI'd that when I first started this podcast. But putting it out turns into opportunities, just like on social media. I'm sure turns into these opportunities that are just you could never have imagined. You would never have gotten if you if you hadn't put it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's no way to quantify everything that you do with social media or with podcasting or all these other things. At the end of the day, put out great value all the time, and you're going to have value come back. You know, that's how I look at everything I do.
0: You've got this one piece of your resume, which is this $35 million estate that you sold, which I think is super cool. The the biggest sale I've ever done is 30, or excuse me, 3 million. And I, I mean, that's a pretty sizable sale in our market or any market, but I'm wondering from you, if you can tell the story on how you secured that listing. Cause it's not every day that you get to even look at, let alone sell a $35 million house. So can you tell us how that one went down and, and what you did to, to earn the business and then to get it sold? Yeah,
1: it's actually a really cool story. So in fact, shortly after I sat down with my coach, Bill pipes in 2010, that next summer I went on a trip to this place called the lake Pallets where it's a summer vacation spot for people in Utah. It's a lake on the border of Utah and Arizona, and my buddy had done a big trip, he had a houseboat. So I went down, I met a guy by the name of Trevor Milton. And this dude had just sold a company for a couple million bucks, he had his boat. He was just kind of but an interesting guy, but a cool dude, you know? And I was like, huh, he's, he's kind of like, for a young guy, that dude's doing things. Me and him kind of became buddies, acquaintances, I would say at that point. Well, he ended up selling his second company about five years later, um, 2015, 2014. And he, I was throwing a Super Bowl party, uh, had 60, 70 people over. It was the, uh, Patriots Seahawks, whenever that Mm -hmm. was. So, and he came and, uh, I had to go pick up some pizzas and he's like, Hey, let's go together. And he had this brand new, like sick decked out Audi sports car. I was like, Holy cow. This dude, this dude's balling. And he told me, and he said, Hey, he, uh, he said, I want to take uh, 30 friends to Hawaii to celebrate my birthday. I just sold my company and I'm going to, I'm going to pay for it. I've always wanted to do this. Would you want to come? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm coming. So I took a week. I remember my assistant would always get bugged with me because he was kind of like, he gets paid proportionately to how many deals I sell. I'm like, dude, trust me, like this is the way we're doing business. I'm going to travel with these friends. I'm going to make these connections. By the way, if that, like, if that trip in Hawaii, I think there was, I think there was 13 guys on the group. I think I've sold every single one of them, but one house at this point. But anyway, on that trip, he and I become close friends. And since that day, we'd been close friends. Well, he came to a client party I threw. I ran out of movie theater. I remember it was Spider-Man or something. And we're sitting there afterwards. He's like, I have this new idea. It's a business idea. And I want to do it. But he's like, it cost me five years of my life. But it's a multi-billion dollar company. I know how to do it. And I'm like, well, what is it? And he's like, well, it's this." Hydrogen powered electric truck, you know, I'm gonna call it Nikola Motors for Nikola Tesla. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, like, what is it? And he shows me a picture and says, sexy. You can Google Nikola Motors, by the way. And long story short, I said, dude, you have to let me invest. That's the sickest looking truck I've ever seen in my life. And he says, well, I don't need your money, you know. And I said, please let me invest, dude. Like, I'll, he goes, unless you have a half a million bucks, it's not even worth my time. And I was like, can you give me three months? I have some real estate I can sell and give you a half a million dollars. So I sold a couple properties I own. Gave him a half a million bucks as part of the seed money for this company. And to give you an idea, so over the last five years, we've been on this ride together. And he had just announced today, actually, literally like six hours ago, he called me and told me, um, we're going public in two months. Uh, it's going to be a between 3 and $4 billion evaluation on this company. And so at the last raise, he pulled some money out. He's always wanted to have this dream land and with this cabin and where they shoot the movie Yellowstone, the TV show Yellowstone for mm-hmm. a certain time. Um, that's mm-hmm. where they film is on his property, but he found this property and, uh, called me He said, Hey, I need you to come up and check this out with me. I think I'm going to buy this. I get up there and, you know, they're asking 35 million bucks for it. And, uh, he says, uh, he says, dude, I think this is my dream spot. I'm going to buy it. He's like, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to put you on the contract. Uh, you believed in me when nobody else did, when you gave me the seed money all those years ago and I want to make you a millionaire. So uh, congrats, bro. (laughs) That's how I sold it, man. It's just a freaking really generous friend that we became close, um, through my exact system that we set up of just strategically using the opportunity to make real connections. And that happens on vacation and trips. You really connect and become, you know, like brothers, this guy is to me. And, um, anyway, long story short. So we ended up, uh, getting that deal done and closed and biggest sell by double in the history of the Utah MLS.
0: That's so cool, man. I love that because I, I sort of expected you to tell me like some crazy marketing that you'd done and you were competing with a bunch of other agents, but it was really a relationship driven <laughs> yeah. opportunity.
1: Yeah, I, if I'm being honest, I mean, my assistant did a lot of work on it, like to keep it together and everything. It was a complicated deal for sure, obviously, but I mean, I put 20 minutes into it.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's so cool, man. I, that's
1: not fair. I put years and years into the friendship, of course, but the actual deal, I put 20 minutes.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah. The actual paperwork and the transaction and stuff. Well, dude, that, that was a killer story. And I think it really speaks well to leading with value, um, being a, a, a generous person, like not keeping score when you have these relationships and these opportunities, just being a, a human being and having some connection and offering value when you can, and obviously taking opportunities when they're presented.
1: Yeah, give everything expecting nothing and just watch how your world changes, man. That's my saying and I I try to do that. I want everyone's life that's, you know, every person that has me in their life, I want their life to be better because I'm in it. And I know that happens. And when I do that, I know that the real estate deals find me. I know that the business will find me.
0: That's, That's an awesome motto to live by, man. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we're getting to the end of the time. I really thank you. I want to respect the rest of your day and thank you for all of what you've given so far. So, I'm going to transition us into the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. First question What book have you gifted most often?
1: Um, My own book, uh, (laughs) The Next Wave of Influence in Real Estate. Uh, I interviewed 100 of the top real estate agents in the country. That's it right there. So I
0: got it. I got it sitting right here on my desk. I'm working through it. Yeah, I'm really proud of it, man. We, uh, you know, it's over 300 pages.
1: you know, when I started out in real estate, I was lucky enough to be a part of these masterminds that Mike Ferry would throw. It was all the top agents around the country would come together and we'd share our best ideas and secrets and marketing strategies and daily routines and all these things because we were in other markets. And I got the chance to soak up this information for a couple of years once a quarter from all these top agents. And so I tried to replicate that experience through the book. Um, and I've just had so many people reach out to me that, you know, they get these little nuggets, these little ideas. It's, it's been really cool to have.
0: That's awesome, man. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
1: Any one person in the history of mankind. Jeez. I haven't thought of that question. Um, you know what though? I'd go back to the American Revolution, man. I'd want to get in that time frame. Probably Paul Revere. He was a total networker. He was a dude that was connecting everyone in town, a little bit of a rebel. It was my kind of guy. I'd sit down with that dude.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on?
1: Uh, that you can have everything you want in life and you can build it by design. Like so many people think that success just touches magically certain people and certain people it doesn't. It's just not true. We literally have the life that we think we deserve a hundred percent. And so um, as you work on your mindset and envisioning the life you truly want, you bring that about a hundred percent of the time.
0: That's awesome. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's getting more and more dialed in now that I'm in a serious relationship. Um, I have a girlfriend in the last five months, so it's a little bit easier. I'm not out as much at night. When I'm out a lot at night, honestly, it's not that dialed in. But kind of have like a, I kind of have like a red light. I don't ever wake up past a certain time. I never get into the office past a certain time. Um, but more than anything, I try to start my day with gratitude. I do. I wake up and, um, you know, I play this game. I ask God to work through me. I say, what am I celebrating today? Um, and then I say, what are, um, two or three key things I need to do today, make sure this is a successful day and then go
0: about it. That's awesome, man. Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the show. What is the number one place that we can connect with you online?
1: Uh, The easiest way to get a hold of me, honestly, is through my Instagram, Mr. Jimmy Rex. I always answer those direct messages. I get back to people on those. It's easy to know who you need to get back to because it leaves it unopened until I touch it and then I can answer it back. But that's probably the easiest way to find me. It's also my website, MrJimmyRex.com. All my trainings are on there. All my YouTube videos are, you know, connect through that. All my social media, all my coaching platforms. And so that's the easiest way to find me.
0: Jimmy, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to throw all of that down into the show notes. So if someone wants to get to know you better, head down to the show notes. That's where it's all about, uh, where it's all at. Um, Thank you for your time and appreciate all the value you brought today.
1: Yeah, you bet, man. Good talking to you.
0: Likewise. And that does it for today. If you guys want to connect with Jimmy, uh, personally, Instagram is the number one place to do that. He does respond to all his DMs. Uh, so he's at Mr. Jimmy Rex. Uh, I've got that down in the show notes along with his website, some of his YouTube, his coaching, his podcast, all of that good stuff is down there. Um, so you can find him. in the show notes. And like always, I've got my Calendly link down there. So if you want to connect with me, I would love to get to know you. So let's have a quick chat, get to know each other a little better, see how I can continue to make this podcast better, uh, serve you, bring more value to you as a listener, and just get to know you a little bit because that's what it's all about. So without any further ado, I'm going to sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at Chief S N A H on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play. Thank you.